0: This is Phantom Power.
1: Episode 13.
0: Jams Bond.
1: Welcome to another episode of Phantom Power, the podcast about sound in the arts and humanities. Who are you? (laughs) (laughs) I'm Mac Haygood. I'm Chris Cheek. And today we have a very unusual episode because I get to interview Chris. Yay! (laughs) Chris has brought in a program that he produced for the legendary community radio station in London, Resonance FM, based on your travels in Madagascar. Actually, two trips
0: you took, right? That's right. 1987. 1993, yeah. Chris, why don't you tell us a little bit about this show? It was originally broadcast on the BBC, and there were some format things that got in the way of it being a longer show on the BBC, and I wanted to let some of the recordings play on a little bit more than they could do in the original.
1: And Resonance was much more of a sort of freeform kind of space where you could let something like that stretch out right
0: it was pretty emergent as a as a station at that point but also yeah the, the bbc wanted to cut me distinctly to just under half an hour
1: and why madagascar maybe we should start off with
0: where is madagascar <laughs> madagascar is off the east uh, east coast of africa it's in the indian ocean mm. um fourth largest island on the planet 90% unique in uh, flora and fauna. Yeah. Uh, really extraordinary mixtures of people who came from Polynesia, down the Omani Arab coast, from southern, particularly s- southwest India, pirates. Mm-hmm. Did I mention pirates yet? <laughs> no, you uh, haven't. The, you know, there were several pirate bases in, in Madagascar.
1: Yeah, and the, the musical traditions that resulted from that mix are really, really incredible. They are.
0: And the people are really incredible. So
1: what we're going to hear, I've heard a little bit of it already. Uh, it's gorgeous music and really some delicious sounds, recorded Just delectably, I just really love these recordings and sort of what interests me beyond, you know, this sonic travelogue that you're presenting to us is just the fact that I'm going to hear the you that I didn't know from 20 years ago. And then you're also going to sort of hear yourself, the person that you used to be back then.
0: Yeah, that's why I brought this. I mean, I brought it because we've been talking in so many different ways about listening, about paying attention to the sounds that are around you, um, the things that are at the edges of our attention, and really concentrating on those. It felt like it was in conversation with so many of the other programs that we've made.
1: Great. Well, so maybe what we should do is just, you know, let it roll, check in and Debrief? We'll stop. Okay. This is Mountain, River, Rail, and Reef by Chris Cheek.
0: Mountain, River, Rail, and Reef. A field sound narrative. Monday March the 13th 1993 It's so hard to see out of those distortionary plastic lozenge shaped windows We're flying inland over the northwestern coast of Madagascar now An island of ancestors ghost voices And below the countryside is veined and rutted by streams and rivers Each delta stained red by silt deposits ...bleeding out into the Mozambique Channel. Outcrops of rock and tiny villages of no more than a half dozen buildings rise into focus. Long-horned cattle, zebu, being driven along dirt tracks... ...turn onto otherwise empty stretches of tarmacked road. Further inland, more and more carts and then cars become visible. A hustle and bustle of peopled activities thickening towards the capital and Tanarive. On the trip into the city centre, I'm told by my mirror-shaded taxi driver that the rainy season has already been and gone. Red bricked houses with pierced wooden balconies are baking in the golden late afternoon sun. Groups of children, one chases a metal hoop with a stick, are running home from school through crowded narrow streets they dance in pungent clouds of steam from blackened pots where rice is cooked at roadside stalls. Tana, as it's called, is high up on the central plateau of this, the fourth largest island in the world. It combines a huge Central Market Square, or Zoma, facing onto the train station, a couple of lakes, once colonial hillside suburbs, and a spreading girth of makeshift encampments. Most weekends, somewhere in these mountains, you'll find the Hiragash, or Songs of the Malagashi taking place. It's like a friendly match or flighting between local singers, dancers and musicians, and a visiting troupe from out of town. An in-the-round roller coaster of folk performance, from chaos to pathos, including prototypical rap, improvisatory cabaret, martial dances, and a somewhat rough band. Performs twice, and a typical performance lasts about an hour. Round of the hiragash, a near riot of fanfares featuring those highly over enthusiastic drummers breaks out. Everybody keeping themselves going with delicious fish samosas dipped in piri piri sauce. Monday, March 22nd. I'm leaving the capital and heading for the southwest of Madagascar. With the music, the peoples and the ways are still far less (laughs) well-known. The train rumbles its sleepers through cornfields, dotted with pink periwinkles and scalloped rice paddies fitting snugly into the mountainsides. Every station has a throng of gesticulating people selling fruit and sausages through open windows to the passengers inside. I got out at Ansira Bay, the place of big salt. Walked up to a highland lake nearby, jade water edged by steep white cliffs. Then cut directly west in a taxi Bruce. Well, that's an open back pickup truck with a canopy, nearly always holding more passengers than is really comfortable. In a bar along the way, for a welcome stretch, I heard the dancing sound of a cabos. It's a sort of box mandolin strummed with a flexible reed. The cabosist incorporates the striking of a bass string into his playing, whilst a young boy uses a recycled can holding rice as a shaker. end of this road, or certainly as far as the bus goes. The onward road was washed out weeks ago by torrential rain. It's one of the hottest and most humid places on the island. Mianzribaz translates as waiting for a wife. Well, I'm here hoping for a boat. Pouring down out of the surrounding mountains, a giant river runs zigzag towards the sea. As I walk along its banks, Under the mango trees, the evening air cools and heavy rain onto corrugated roofs begins. In the half hour or so of dawn light, I'm sitting on a balcony, listening to this small town waking up. Men are hollowing out trees to fashion boats. Goats and sheep hold a rally at the podium in the town square. There's a large insect trying to make passionate overtures or kill itself against my microphone. One of the endearing features of this lodging house is that when I empty the wash basin, by some freak of the plumbing system, an airlock, perhaps, creates a phantom drummer rising from the plug hole. we followed the river Serebinis currents in a small dugout canoe. Storks and herons perched out on those floes, fishing from nests of twisted weed, and each night we camped out on the riverbank in makeshift tents made from cut bamboos. Sometimes we'd simply drift. gliding down through rainforest in silence having been warned not to speak if i saw anything unusual to do so would be taboo
1: just incredible stuff um you know i did a lot of backpacking in the 1990s myself and um around east and southeast asia and uh this, these scenarios that you're painting are so familiar right you got to get in the back of the pickup truck to go somewhere and then right you wait for the boat and maybe the boat's gonna come this evening or maybe it's gonna come tomorrow or whatever you, You just got to kind of wait, (laughs) or maybe the day after that. But the thing that I did not experience is, I mean, you keep making these little pit stops at these places where, where you have to wait, but there are these killer musicians (laughs) that are just making the most incredible music in these places. And and that's something that I, I wish I had experienced in my travels. I mean, I definitely heard a lot of great music, but not
0: just sort of at these rest stops. There seemed to be musicians everywhere, and it was it was what you do while you're waiting. But a lot of people who were in the travelling party, if you like, weren't particularly interested. Hmm. These were they were kind of impromptu rest stop cafes, just like you're describing. Yeah, and now I'm remembering almost certainly most of this was on a Sony Walkman Pro cassette recorder with a tiny little microphone and and i would say to people do you mind if i put my recorder out and they would be yeah sure don't worry about it but because i put my recorder out everybody else would suddenly get interested Yes. So they would be then listening to what this traveler, this vazar, as they say, this stranger, was finding interesting about this music that they were taking for granted. Yes, yes. I've had that exact same experience uh, with my own
1: field recordings. And and you pull out the recording and people are like, wait a minute, is there something I should be listening to here? (laughs) (laughs) Why
0: is this? strange guy from far away it, so it, interested in this it was very 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 interesting and and the musicians would also say thank you uh, afterwards as if you know that they were suddenly being taken seriously as somebody who had something to bring to the situation rather than just being used as background everyone would as they in contemporary parlance lean in Yeah. And there were, you know, sometimes there was a bit of applause. And, you know, it was like, (laughs) it's like I'd staged an impromptu concert by putting my tape recorder down, which I found incredibly difficult to fathom. It was full of so many paradoxes.
1: Well, speaking of, you know,
0: things that are difficult to fathom and
1: paradoxical when it comes to (laughs) recording, you know, one other thing I was thinking about is we're both sitting here next to each other listening to this. And, I'm imagining everything that's going on right while you're remembering everything that's going on. so I'm just I'm just kind of wondering what it's like for you to be sitting here and listening to something you made twenty years ago.
0: Yeah, that's a super interesting question. It's as if sound um, and particularly recorded sound can act as a a time portal. It's very odd for for me to listen to my own voice too. Mm -hmm. because although you might not hear it uh, my voice has changed a lot partly by being here uh, in the u.s for such a long while so i'm listening to a very different kind of performance of british masculinity uh, from a very different moment in time from Mm -hmm. a different moment in my life but also a different mm, a different post-colonial context ah so um You raised that
1: question of of the post-colonial context. So I know that since I was backpacking and making field recordings, I've been exposed to a lot of things and read a lot of things that have made me look back on those activities in the early 90s in a different way. Thinking about the fact that I was following in the footsteps of colonialists who, who probably gave me the privilege to be able to be so mobile and to visit these places and then just as they extracted certain things of value I with my recorder was extracting you know aspects of their culture and taking them out of context and bringing them back with me right um, and so I, I have a sort of you know feeling of discomfort around some of that me too that I never had before so yeah I was wondering what
0: you thought about that but I'm really glad to hear you raise it because those discomforts register for me really powerfully they registered at the time and they register even more strangely now because i'm listening to the sound that i produced from those discomforts at a two decade distance
1: yeah and it and it's a complex issue because you also had the experience of mm-hmm. bringing cassette recordings that were made by earlier Western
0: travelers, yeah, and playing those for people there.
1: Do you want to talk about that?
0: Well, yeah, French missionaries actually. The recordings released on the Okora label are really oh, great, right. yeah. I mean, like, beautiful recordings uh, from this French label, Okora. And I literally would arrive in a small village and people would come and talk to me you know where are you coming from what are you up to what are you interested in and I was particularly in the second time I visited somewhat on a mission not a missionary but I was on a mission (laughs) to because I was particularly interested in recordings that I'd heard of forms of poetry song poetry that were used for healing purposes in the southwest of the island. So my whole journey was to was to go there to try to hear some of this. And I would, people would come, I would play them a little bit of this recording. They'd, they'd put on the headphones because there was no speaker on a Sony Walkman Pro. And their faces would light up. And then they'd start to laugh. It's like, oh my God, I remember this stuff, some of them would say. Mm-hmm. You know, it was a a little bit along the lines of having people at the road stop get interested in the music, the local music. This was also a a moment at which people registered that somebody from outside was really interested in yeah. in a cultural uh, an aspect of their culture. So I'm with this Malagasy couple traveling down a river, and one night we stop, we make benders out of the, the bendable branches at the riverside, and a malgash guy walks a past walks past holding a crocodile's jaws shut in one hand and doing a breath rhythm like. <laughs> And I copied him. As he <laughs> went past, I just did exactly the same thing back. And the next morning, this couple were alive with questions of like, where did you learn that stuff? And I said, what stuff? And they said, you know, this, this rhythmic stuff. And I said, I don't know. It's, you know, I do strange things with my voice. So we arrived at a village the following night, and they disappeared. I sat and looked after the boat, and brought the entire village with them and asked me to do a performance so i had to do (laughs) this kind of really weird impromptu sort of sound poetics voice rhythm performance and then the villagers all went away and they came back down with their cassette machine and played me examples of what you're about to hear and uh we went on down the river and we got to this place and all these people showed up and that because word had gone out in the forest from village to village that there was this guy who was particularly an expert in or interested in this kind of interlocking voice performance. And that's what happened. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> After four and a half intense days on this river, we arrived at Bello, Bello. There in a moonlit courtyard I witnessed nine young men perform a vocal music that I'd never heard before. to it as kanyaki, rapid interlocking rhythms made with the voice. It's hard work keeping it going for long and they produce this extraordinary style by a kind of whiplash pecking movement of the upper body to project their open breath. They'd fall apart into whoops of laughter. Stop, have a cigarette and a drink. Strictly lemonade for all of them except the chorus master who preferred rum. And then start again. journeyed on down the south coast for several days. Firstly in a brig out of Molrundhav, then a dugout canoe with a single patchwork sail, or Lakan, mostly to villages only accessible by boat, Bevat, and over the Waka, Salar and Shifutr, the fishing villages of the Vays. It was ravishingly calm, surfing over the coral, listening to what the Malagasy call the of the colours of the sea. Or simply rowing when the wind stayed put. You can get some inkling of the philosophy of these parts of the island if you know what their place names mean. Take Chifutra. When you walk through it, barefoot on the red earth, you might as well be strolling through a firing kiln. But the name means, not hot. Typical Malagasy sense of humour. I'd brought a little tape recorder with me and a copy of some of the recordings made along this coastline in the 1960s. Whenever I could, if it seemed appropriate, I played this tape to someone in a village and asked if there were any people still singing such songs. More often than not, they got quite excited. They'd call their friends over and ask if I could make a copy and send it to them for the archive of their local school, for example. Listen to this, they'd say. It's that old song poetry from the 1960s.
2: Pas de maille, 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 pas she may lie, but in a rain, Jafuja, Lamande, Animu, La Cula, Hika Lu, Vanikolo, the Mandi, Fahashi,
0: Ifati is almost as close as Madagascar gets to a resort. One of the tourist villages around which the developments are gathering is called Mora Mora. Slowly, slowly or take it easy. I stayed in Mangili. It's a small place set back from the beach, sea fronting plush rum and squid a la creole bungalows where strangers like me are expected to rest. Not that I was any less of a stranger for all that. In the evenings, there's a huge, roughly fenced, open-air bar where local people gather to drink and dance the Minutsk. This might sound like a bit of a low-or-no-fidelity recording. In fact, my microphone placed directly on the bar picked up exactly what it sounded like. just a few hundred yards away. There are groups of young musicians promenading in the villages, playing acoustic versions. They sling large box-like mandolinis around their shoulders. The instruments come in several different sizes, roughly small, medium and large. And this passionate, quirky music is led by exuberant singers, accompanied by some virtuoso football whistling. It can go on for hours.
1: And that's it for this episode of Phantom Power. All the recordings you heard today are by Chris Cheek, with the exception of that extract from Possession and Poetry in Madagascar, recorded by Bernard Kochlin in 1969. Today's episode was produced by Chris Cheek and Mac Haygood. Mountain, River, Rail and Reef was produced by Phil England and Tom Wallace for Resonance FM. The world's first radio art station as part of 1998's meltdown festival at the south bank center curated by john peel the bbc broadcast some of this material on radio 3 as the music of madagascar produced by john thornley and by the way it won the sony gold radio award for specialist music program of the year back in 1995. you can subscribe to our show at phantompod.org or wherever you get your podcasts. We'd love it if you'd rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter at PhantomPod. Thanks to our intern, Gina Moravec. Phantom Power is produced with support from the Robert H. and Nancy J. Blaney Endowment, the Miami University Humanities Center, and the National Endowment for the Humanities.